Well, good morning. Oh, it's good to be here. Hey, I don't know if you noticed, but today, doesn't matter if you're physical service or online, today's a good day not to have hair. See, hair is highly overrated. Y'all were coming in. I wasn't at the North Campus. I was at the South Campus. People trying to fix their hair, stuff like that. This morning, I was out like walking around the building, praying for all of us at all our campuses online as well. I came in and did this. I'm sitting ready to go, and this was probably overkill. I didn't even have to do that. I just want to pretend I have something there. But matters not. I am so glad you braved the wind, so glad you're a part of things, so glad you tuned in online. I want to remind our online audience um, that we are not going to um, have Facebook in a couple weeks. They've changed everything. I guess when they went meta, um, they changed how they do stuff. We're out. You're going to need to go to our campus on our website or go to YouTube. That's going to be the best ways to watch. Man. I'm excited about today. Next week, say next week. You know what it is? It is Easter, baby. We are going to celebrate. Now, we always celebrate, but we're going to celebrate in a heightened way the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all that it means to our lives. So we are going to do this. We're going to have seven services over three days. All this is in your park news. All of it's on the website and things like that. So we start our weekend, believe it or not, on Thursday. We have a plus Thursday, not just Easter weekend, but every weekend because we believe that in a world that's so easily distracting, we need times to focus ourselves, to really look in on what Christ has in our life. Sometimes we're traveling. Sometimes we have to work on the weekend. Sometimes we just want to, let's be honest, sleep in. Plus Thursday is a great way to engage, get our hearts right, get our hearts refocused and be a part of that. You can join us any week. I hope you'll do that. We'll start Easter that weekend. We're going to have our normal Sunday morning services at both our North and South Campus. All that will be online. But we're also going to have two Saturday night services, one at the South Campus, one at the North Campus. We want you and your family to be a part of this. But we're doing all this to make room. Because we know there's people who are going to want to engage, and we know there are people that you want to bring with you. There are people in your world that need hope. Amen? There are people in your life that need peace and joy. That comes in Jesus. And I am asking you to take a step of faith and invite them to join us this Easter as we begin a journey on how to live a life with less and less fear. We're going to talk about fearless living, and the way you can invite them is simple. On the way out of our physical services, you're going to find cards all over that look like this. It just says Beltway Park, and on the back side is a QR code. If they do the QR code, and QR codes are in right now, it's going to take them for all the information they need for Easter weekend. And you invite them, and I promise you they're going to hear about the hope, the life, the love that Jesus has for their lives. So I'm asking you to be a part of that. And I'm asking you to consider, we really need help. For this one weekend, we need some extra laborers on our serve team. If you're willing to do that, if you're willing to go to a service and serve a service, there's an insert in your bulletin. Fill it out, take it to the guest services kiosk in both foyers at the North Campus and the one foyer. Take it there, and we'll contact you this week. We're going to make you part of the team so that we can serve and love people to Jesus Christ. We love our city all the time, and we want to keep showing the love of Jesus Christ to the community that he's given to us. You know, this week I was reflecting on Paul's letter to a group of Jesus followers in an ancient Roman city called Colossae. And while I was doing that, oddly enough, I began thinking about my granddad, who probably had never heard the word Colossae in his life. 
My granddad um, lived to be almost 100 years old. I spent about five decades with him. I can remember as a kid, we would go to the northern part of Amarillo and I'd visit he and my grandmother in their small home, tent, uh, their small home there. Um, my granddad was a diesel mechanic all the time I could remember him until he retired. He was a proud member of the Teamsters. And he was, till the day he died, don't judge us for this, a blue dog Democrat. Now, I could not convince granddad that the dog had died a long time ago. He was convinced, but that is what he was. But growing up in the years um, prior to the Great Depression, he was born like at the end of World War I, went through the Great Depression. His family was not in like mechanic business. They were actually farmers. They were sharecroppers near Coleman, Texas in a little town called Fisk. And I guess that love of growing things somehow got into my granddad's life because all the years I knew him, although he was a mechanic and doing all that kind of stuff, he always had a garden, like a really, really big garden. And I can remember almost every time we would visit, we would come back and I'd listen to my parents talking in the front seat of the car and they would be talking about how my granddad had a green thumb, that he could just grow almost anything. And they were really lamenting that everything we tried to grow at our house, we couldn't grow. Well, one time when I was older, I was visiting my granddad. He had already retired. He had moved to the metropolitan area of Goodnight, Texas. Try to find that. I only think it's on Google Maps. Anyway, he was there, and we're going through an even bigger garden that he had then. And I just got him talking. I said, Granddad, tell me the secret of growing things. You've grown things all your life. You've got all these vegetables, all these things. What is the secret? And I can remember he chuckled. He said, there's no secret. It takes time and work. And then he began talking about all the things he did for his garden that he did when he had a job, when he didn't. He talked about things he did in the off-season, how he treated the soil. He talked about how he would till it at a certain time to make sure rain could get inside of it. He talked about the seeds he planted and learning about the nature of the things that he planted to make sure they could go together, how he even rotated. I didn't know you rotated crops in a garden, but he rotated crops in his garden to make sure they could grow right. And such. He would talk about when the weeds would start coming up. Anybody in West Texas know about weeds? Yeah. He would talk about when weeds and how you would take care of the weeds and how you take care of the pests. And he went through all this stuff. And then I realized my granddad, to varying degrees, invested time and energy almost year round in growing that which by nature would grow by itself, so we think. And it's interesting to me that as I was reading Colossians, especially the third chapter of Colossians, this image came to my mind because there's a truth. Truth not just in the physical, but a truth in the spiritual. You see, growth is natural, but not automatic. Hear that. Growth is natural, but not automatic. Things that are created to grow have growth built into their natures. The seeds my granddad had planted, and my dad, granddad always gardened with seeds. He actually said that people who use plants weren't real gardeners. So for all you wannabe gardeners who use plants, apologies from my families. But anyway, the seeds he planted were made. They were designed by the creator to grow. But growth isn't automatic. If growth were automatic, those seeds that are in their packets would start growing. 
but they had to be planted. There had to be soil prepared for them. There had to be certain nutrients in that soil for them to be able to grow. They had to have certain amounts of water, but they can't have too much water. If they start growing and the weeds grow up, the weeds will choke out the life, so they had to be protected. They had to be protected from pests and things like that. See, you get what I'm saying. Growth is natural. It's built into, if I may, the fabric of what was created, but it is not automatic. See, that seems to be one of the reasons Paul wrote this letter called Colossians. By the way, if you want to get your heart really ready for Easter, I understand we celebrate the resurrection every weekend. It's just part of who we are. But there's times that we need to heighten things. Heighten what's most important. And maybe you want to get your heart ready to do that. You read the letter that Paul wrote to the people of Colossae, the letter of Colossians this week. Do it a couple times. It's only four chapters. And it will be great for you. Now, I'll be honest with you. You're going to have to read it slow. It's a big boy, big girl book. It makes us think. We have to meditate. We have to chew. But it's designed to make us go deeper. The key verse, I believe, is in the first chapter, verse 27. God chose to make known among the Gentiles how great are the riches. Somebody shout riches. It's a big word. How great are the riches of the mystery of the glory of Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Paul writes this letter because he is overwhelmed by the heart of God. He's saying God wants everyone, not just those to whom he chose to make himself known to the world, the Jews, but he wants everyone, Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles are, is a word that just means non-Jew. He wants everyone to know that it is his desire for us to increasingly live a life that is rich. God wants everyone increasingly rich. Sadly, when we see the word rich, we think of something lesser than God thinks of. Because as soon as we see the word rich, we think of what? We think of bank, we think of roll, we think of denarii, we think of money. That's what comes to our mind. But God's thinking of something far grander, far greater than money. He is thinking of more of himself. When God says, I want you increasingly rich, he's saying, you get more of me, you get more of Jesus. You see, when we say yes to be a follower of Jesus, God places a piece of himself in us. Let that sink in. We use big words to try to describe God who is indescribable. Words like he is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere all the time. He is not bound by time nor space. He is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful without limit of what he can do. He is holy, holy, holy. He is pure beyond what he can imagine. He is all of that. But when we say yes to be his follower, he so changes the essence of who we are that he puts a piece of himself inside of us. And I know some of you are thinking, David, you got to unpack that more. I can't. Even Paul said it was a mystery. A mystery not in the fact that we can't understand it, but the fact that it is so grand, it is so great, it is so awesome that it's hard to believe it's true. Come on, is that not great? Isn't it hard to believe that part of God lives inside of you? That is the reality of the gospel. And then Paul says, this Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. What does the word mature mean? Grown up. That I've moved from this place to this place 
fuller than I have ever been. In fact, he goes on, he says, for this I toil. I struggle with all the energy that Jesus powerfully works within me. Come on, why would God so passionately, so diligently desire that we mature and grow? Simple, he's the greatest of fathers. And the greatest of fathers desire that their children have the best, and best according to scripture. The greatness of the riches of God comes as we grow. Somebody say grow. Grow as we learn to live our lives taking step after step with Jesus. Jesus who's in us. Jesus who is alone the hope of glory. When we say yes to be a follower of Jesus, our essence is changed. We see people being baptized regularly around here, which is some of the most awesome things I think you can see. Baptism is not a representation that Jesus takes a dirty person and cleans that person up like in a bath. It is a picture of a grave that just like Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead, did he? He rose again on the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. So when we say yes to follow Jesus, the old man, the old person, dies. And we are raised as a new person in the creation of Christ. And we are designed to grow into the riches of the glory of God. See, some of us are convinced right now that our job is to survive. That my job is just to make it. And one day I'll go to heaven and know the riches. No, 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 that's not our job. Our job is to grow. It is within our nature to grow. Some of you are utterly convinced that you're stuck, you say, I, I just can't change. If you are in Christ Jesus, you absolutely can change. It is in your nature to change. It is in your nature to grow. Growth is natural, but it's not automatic. We've got to put some time and energy into it. So in chapter 3, Paul begins to talk about things we need to do. You need, you need to read it this week because chapter 1 is about the greatness of God and what he's done in Jesus. Chapter 2 is said, don't just try to do it by rules. If you try to do it by rules, it's going to fail. But let's talk about the things you have to do in your heart. Like he says in chapter 3, verse 9, do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have, notice the phrase, put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There's a picture here. It's a question. How many of you put on a fresh set of clothes this morning? Put your hands up right now. If you did not raise your hand, I am assuming you are distracted and that you really did something. And some of you online, you could not raise your hand. It is almost noon and you ain't put on anything new. You know I speak the truth. Put on some clothes, okay? Now I want you to think about this. To put on, say put on. To put on a fresh set of clothes, you have to what? You have to put off the other clothes. How many of you put off some clothes this morning? Do not raise your hand. I do not even need the possibility of that image entering my brain. You know, people get nervous speaking in public. It's actually still to this day considered one of the leading fears that people have. And there's a common advice given that if you're going to have to speak in public, you're going to have to give a presentation at work or something like that. And they say, you don't need to worry about it. When you get up there, just picture everyone in the audience. How? In their underwear. Listen to me. Do not do that. There are some things that you see 
even in your brain that you cannot unsee. Listen to me. I don't want even a mental image of you in your underwear. And let's be honest. You don't want to see this in its underwear either, do you? And that is especially true when I tell you I am as hairy as a Wookiee underneath all these clothes. See, you can't unsee that now, can you? Some of you going, no, pray for me. We'll have prayer. You can try, but it's not one of those. No Wookiee prayer uh, in prayer this morning. Think about it. The goal of taking off the old clothes, putting off the old clothes, isn't just so you can have no clothes. The reason you take off the old is to what? Put on the fresh, put on the new. The goal is to put on the news. Listen to me. The goal of your faith in Christ isn't just to put off. Some of us are stuck in our faith because we're focused on what we need to put off. That's not the goal of our faith. The goal of our faith is to put on Jesus. The goal of our faith is to grow in Jesus, is to become more and more like Jesus deep within, to grow closer and closer to him. So Paul goes on, he says, put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness and patience. Bear with one another. If anyone has complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord is forgiving you, so you must also forgive. And he goes on. Please hear me. If we focus on putting on the things of Christ, if I may, letting the things of Christ grow in us, it automatically pushes out the bad and the ugly. It pushes out the darkness. See, the focus is this. I need more light in my life. I need to allow the light of Jesus to shine into the recesses of my being. And when that happens, when light comes, light pushes away darkness. Some of us are stunted in our faith because we think our faith journey is just putting off. I need to put off this, I need to put off this, I, I need to focus on this and make sure I don't do this and don't do this and I don't need this and I don't need that. Wrong focus. The focus of our faith is Jesus. Focus on growth in Jesus. And I'm telling you, Jesus will deal with the bad and ugly inside of you. So do things like this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Come on, how many of you want peace in your life? We all do. Notice, it's a command. It is not something that just happens Peace is a choice, it is not a circumstance. Peace is something we choose, it's not the result of situations we have in life. Like earlier in Colossians, we were told this, set your mind on things above, not on things below, not on earthly things. Peace, listen to me, is the result of focus, not situations. Peace is the result of what we look at. Part of the growth that we must choose is our focus. We focus on Jesus as a kingdom. And what happens is we interpret everything through that. So what we're supposed to do is make sure in our day-to-day -day life, our first and primary focus is in Jesus. And then all the other things we look at through the lens of Jesus. The problem is many of us are doing just the opposite. We're inundated with the headlines. The headlines that come on CNN and Fox and USA Today and Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and things like that. It may be the headlines of world events. It may be the headlines of Ablin. It may be the headlines of your social circle. It matters not. And we keep our focus on the headlines. And then we try to see Jesus, and we see Jesus through the headlines. That destroys peace. What we've got to do is invert that. We've got to set our minds on things above. We grow in our focus. And the way we grow in our focus is actually the next verse. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Say one another. This is key. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. See, I suspect the vast majority of us, doesn't matter if you're physically in person at our North or South campus or you're part of our online family, we would all say we want the word of Christ to dwell in us more. We want to grow in that. But most of us, when we think about the word of Christ dwelling in us more, we think about things I need to do personally. We think about, I, I need to read the word more, which is probably true. I need to pray more, absolutely. I need to fast more. Yeah, but notice, there's a command, let the word of Christ dwell in you, and then there are these participial phrases. How'd you like that big word right there? I had to practice it all week, but I did it. All these participles telling us how to let the word Christ dwell in us. And none of them are me. They're all about us. You see, I think when most of us think about growing in Christ, we have an idea in mind. We actually think like Americans, which makes sense because most of us are Americans. And we think individualistically because that's the norm. So we see up here Jesus, and we see me, and I need to grow, so I think of things like this right here. I think of things I need to grow to be more like Jesus, me connecting with Jesus. And that is totally true in part but it's nowhere close to the totality. In fact, I will tell you, if this is your growth plan, your growth plan is just me and Jesus, you will utterly fail in the growth you're supposed to have. You see, from what I can tell in the New Testament, passage after passage, not just Colossians chapter three, but all over, more than I have time to unpack, there is definitely this individual relationship with me and Jesus, but there's another factor here that is huge. It is called us, and you know how us is defined? church. Church, not just the corporate gathering that you might have on a Thursday night or a Sunday morning. We're talking about groups. We're talking about individuals getting together for coffee and things like that. We're just talking about us doing life together, that what God wants to do is he wants to connect me to himself, but he also wants to connect the church. And often what I do is I connect to the church. And I would challenge you that most of the way God wants to grow us is going to go this direction then this direction. And if we functionally disconnect ourselves from the church, we're going to be missing much of the growth that God wants for our lives. You see, the problem is I think we're making our Christianity way too individualistic in life. The church is a tool that God provides to help me grow. Hear me. The goal of church is not to attend. The goal is growth. Think about it. It'd be like going to the gym. Let's say you go to, y'all know what a gym is, right? Just making sure we're in America. <laughs> Let's say you go to the gym. You even put off some old clothes and you put on your gym clothes. You put on some good ones, right? You got your shoes, because shoes are a big deal in gyms these days. You got the right shoes, you got the right stuff, and you go and you walk around. And you look at the stuff, some good looking weights there. It's a great machine right there. Look at that, you evaluate the gym, you talk about it, but you never pick up a weight. You never get on the cardio machine. You like spend 30 minutes, you're feeling good. Then you go home. 
Your spouse says, hey, what you been doing? Hey, I went to the gym. So what? The goal isn't to go. The goal is to grow. Or, in the case of the gym, maybe shrink a little bit. That may be what we need to do, right? But either way, the goal is to get healthier. The goal is to get stronger. Church is the exact same. Guys, I'll be really, really honest with you. If your goal in participating in church, in the us, the community, I'm talking about corporate worship. I'm talking about um, getting in small groups. I'm talking about even the individuals do stuff you do. You know you can just read the Bible to say I read the Bible? And if I just read the Bible to say I read the Bible, then you won't remember a thing you read. If the goal is just to get through the activity, if the goal is just to attend, you're utterly wasting your time. The reason we gather is not to attend. The reason we gather is to grow. My concern is this. My concern is that we are individualizing our faith more and more. We're doing less and less in community, and we're doing so to our own detriment. I'll be honest with you. I think the old timers of faith may have had something, because I think we need more church, not less church. I know, some of you looking at me right now, I can feel it at the North Campus, and you're thinking, but you're in the church business, Dave. That's pretty self-serving for you to say. Hear me, to the best of my ability to understand myself, I can tell you with integrity that if I did not believe in the vital necessity of the church to be a life-giving, growth-giving entity that God wants to do, I would not be doing this. It's just too hard. There's too much weight. I utterly believe in the necessity of the church and how God wants to use the church. And even as I say that, I intimately know how weak the church is. I know the ugly. I know the bad. I know the struggle. Say, David, you know what church people do to each other? Yeah, I do. You get a bunch of sinners together who are growing in Jesus, they're going to sin against each other. Interestingly, God wants to use even our weakness to help us grow in Christ. Remember he said, put on forgiveness? How are you going to put on forgiveness if you never have anybody you need to forgive? How are you going to have people you need to forgive? Church! Now, is that our intent? Absolutely not. But I am telling you just things that God wants to use in our weakness. I have people ask me all the time, Pastor, look at what's happened in the church. Look at the leaders that are failing. There's some big-name leaders that have really messed up. There's a whole new round of headlines right now in the church world. You're, if you're not aware of it, Google recent church leader failures, and there's going to be a, a whole group that comes up right now. There's a whole docuseries on Netflix right now and all that. And people have asked me, it's like, how, how, how do you believe in the church when things like that are happening? And my answer is simple. My focus isn't the church. My focus is Jesus. That's where my faith is. My faith is not in the church. My faith is not in a leader. Now, am I saddened when I see leaders that go awry from what the gospel tells us to do? I am not only saddened, I get scared deep to the core of my being. Because I think if it could be them, it could be me. Who am I to think that I couldn't fall? Who am I to think that I couldn't mess up? The scripture says, those of you who think you stand, you take heed. You're going to be the one that falls. I get scared to death. I see that leaders failed in the New Testament. I see church people failed in the New Testament. Who are we to think in the 21st century church that we're going to be better than the people in the New Testament? I, I, 
I expect that to happen. But here's what I trust. I trust that Jesus is stronger than my weakness. I trust that Jesus is stronger than your weakness. I trust what this word says is true, that God in his greatness would dare use the weakness and the imperfections and the ugliness of the church to do a work in my life, to grow me to be more like him. I trust what his word says. Now, I don't put my faith in that. Listen to me. Do not put your faith in the church. Do not put your faith in a leader. Do not in any way put your faith in me. Could I fail? Absolutely. What would you do if I failed? You keep running after Jesus, who alone will not fail. Some of you get nervous. I'm not about to confess anything. I promise you that, okay? <laughs> I mean, I've got my normal failings, but not that. I've had people ask me about the next days of Beltway Park. I really believe to the core of my being that we're a multi-generational church and the greatness of what he wants to do has not yet been seen and I believe he will build upon what we have done. I believe the greatest things God wants to do through Beltway will not be done under my leadership but the next generation of leaders. That anything we have done together in this season is just, it's our ceiling but it's the floor of the next generation. I believe that. I'm working for it and contending for it. But the next generation has to keep going and agreeing to partner with God. Let's say they don't, and this whole thing collapses. So what? My faith isn't in a church. My faith isn't in a leadership. Will I be disappointed? Yeah, will I be sad? But think of all the things God has done in our lives before that happened. I'm going to embrace those things that he has done, and I'm going to press on. I'm going to forget the things that are mine, and I'm going to press on to everything God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It is about him. My focus is on Jesus. My focus is on the reality of, of him. And I trust this. I trust Jesus is great enough that he is going to use the weaknesses and imperfections of the people of God known as the church to help bring growth in my life. And since I want the peace of Christ to rule in my heart, since I want the word of God to dwell richly in me, and he says, I'm going to use people to make that happen, I will always be part of a people. I will be always be part of a church because of what I want him to do in my life. You see, I want the conclusion that Paul gives to this segment of Colossians to be true in my life, that whatever I do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything. Not just a Thursday night or a Sunday morning, not just a group time. We're talking about tomorrow morning. You get up and you go to that thing called a job. You get up and you're facing kids at the house. You go to this place called school. I'm talking about the hobbies we engage in and what we do. Everything is done for the glory of Christ. I don't want to settle. God has put a new nature inside of me. I born again he has put something new in me and it's made to grow the bible actually says he moves us from glory to glory to glory and i, I want to see more of that in my life i don't want to settle for where i am listen to me unashamedly i want to grow i tell you without any ounce of shame whatsoever i want to be rich and I'm not thinking money. I already know I'm an American and I know I'm rich already. Financially, I want more. 
I want what Jesus died for. I want what Jesus fought hell for. The way I can bring glory to him is to live more and more in the fullness of what he wants me to have. I want to be grateful for everything, and I want my life to be more and more like him, and I'm asking for God for grace to do the things I do that I need to do to grow. It's in me, but I know it's not automatic. And I'm asking God, show me the things I need to do to grow and help me have courage to take that step. Wondering if you'll join me. Pure and simple, that's what I want for Easter. I want to grow. And I think when I grow to be more like Jesus, then through me, people will see Jesus. And if people see more and more of Jesus in me, they have an opportunity to have faith and hope as well. And that's what I want. So how about we do this? How about you bow your heads before we do anything here? We're going to take communion here in a minute together. And communion is going to be that way we say yes to whatever God shows us that we need to do to grow. So again, if you haven't gotten packets or in the back, you can go get a packet, but I think everyone has one. If you're online, you need to move quickly. You need to find something like crackers or bread and some liquid. You get back here quick. What steps is God saying you need to do to grow? We're all in different places in our journey. You don't need to worry about anybody else around you. Just say, Spirit of God, what do I need to do? I mean, like some of us, we need to prioritize the us more. Do you know that right now studies are showing that when people say I go to church regularly, the number is I go at least once a month. For us, that's like 14 hours a year. I just to be honest, that's not a lot. It's not a lot compared to how much time we spend in our hobbies, how much time we spend in our yard, how much time we spend in our garden, how much time we spend on youth sports, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying there's an exact correlation. I'm just saying this takes energy and investment of time. Some of us need to prioritize. Some of us have been online. I love that we have online. We had online well before the pandemic. I love the fact that there's people who cannot physically be in church and we have a church that they can be a part of. I, I know who they are. I love it when people are sick and have to be away. They're traveling. They can't make Thursday or Sunday, but they can keep up online. I, I love all that. But some of us got to the habit of being online. I've heard dozens, if not hundreds of people say, I really need to get back. And maybe your step is, I got to get back physically if you're in our region. Be willing to take that step. Maybe some of us need to open the Word of God. Maybe the simple thing you need to do is say, I'm going to read Colossians this week. I'm going to dare to believe the Spirit of God's going to show me. Maybe you need to call somebody and just say, hey, can we meet once every other week? Let's read a book of the Bible and talk about it. Let's talk about what the Lord's doing. Be very purposeful. Don't talk about the weather. Don't talk about the fallacy of the cowboys. You can talk about that. Just make sure you talk about the stuff of the Lord and you grow. I don't know what the Lord would have you do. He'll show you. Spirit of God, show us. And whatever he shows us, let's say yes to it. And the way we're going to say yes is taking communion. Ask him to show you right now. You engage with him. It doesn't matter what I'm saying. Man, we want everybody to take communion who wants to take communion. And in the taking of communion, we just, we're just saying yes. Yes to Jesus. Yes to all that he wants to do. Yes. So what I'm going to do here in a moment, I'm going to pray. And we're together going to engage in a song of worship just to get our hearts ready. I want, I want us to really focus. And we're going to take communion together. And then we're going to finish encouraging each other through our songs of worship. And I want to implore you to totally engage. Don't be passive. Actively engage what the Lord would have for you right now.
We've given ourselves time. We're going to wrap this up right when we need to. Father, we are overwhelmed at your love for us. Your heart for us overwhelms us. I can't fathom that you would want us to have best. Think of what David of old wrote when he said, what is humanity that you would think of us? The son of man that you would consider us. I mean, why would you even think of us? And you don't just think of us, Father, your heart for us. It, it, it's so large, it's hard for us to really believe it could be true. And I pray that we would have power from your spirit to actually begin to believe more and more how true your love is for us. That we would know more and more the height, the width, the breadth, and the depth of your love for us in Christ Jesus. That we would know this love that surpasses knowledge and be filled with this love. And we might walk in the fullness of everything you have for us. That's what we want, Lord. We don't want to settle for where we are, Lord. We want to grow. We want to grow to reflect your glory to a world that needs hope. They need to be filled with joy and peace. We want to show them that's possible. But we want to grow just out of gratitude for you. There's nothing, no one like you. And so I ask that all the things that we have placed before you, all the great gifts that you have given us, you would show that to us and we would surrender them to you that our life would be prioritized rightly again. If there are major adjustments that need to be made, show us that and make them in our hearts right now. If there are minor adjustments, whatever they need to be, Father, show us what those are. Whatever we do, Lord, wherever we might engage, we want to do it in the name of your son, Jesus. We want to do it for his glory, for his honor, for his praise. We want to show our gratitude to you. Receive our worship, we ask, O oh God. Receive our commitments. Be praised by your people, not just in our rooms, not just in our homes, but through our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.